This is Rumble. I'm Michael Moore. Welcome, everyone. We are five days away from the election. If you're listening to this on on uh, Thursday, October 29th, there are some serious issues we need to get into right away. This is not going to be a very uh, long podcast because we're all very busy today, the next few days. Uh, but we do need to check in with each other and discuss uh, what's in front of us and what we need to be doing uh, to prevent uh, what feels like an inevitable um, catastrophe. But it doesn't have to be that way. And I actually want to start uh, with um, a, a kind of a piece of good news uh, today. A couple of episodes ago on Rumble, um, I suggested that uh, people can be doing things from home. Uh, you can make signs for your windows in your yard. Uh, you can uh, contact people in your address book. Maybe people you haven't spoken to in a while, extended family, old friends, old classmates that you went to college with, any of a number of people you could check in with and say, hey, you know, I was thinking about you and I decided today just to call a few of my old friends and see if everybody's voting. And if you haven't voted yet, you know, if you need any help or what, I really want to encourage you. I want to tell you why I'm voting. I know a lot of us, uh, a lot of people don't vote or they don't want to vote. And, uh, you know, so... I suggested that all of you listening uh, to me um, do that. Go into the address book on your phone and start calling people. I've had some great reaction from you, from any of you, what you've done when you've done this in terms of the reaction you've had from old friends, from uh, uh, old work colleagues, or even current ones. You just thought maybe you should check in with them to see how it's going with the voting. And people have been able to convince old friends and family who weren't planning on voting to come out and vote, to get out there and to vote and to vote for Biden, get rid of Trump. And as I said to you uh, back here at the beginning of the week, that if you convince just one person, one person who otherwise wasn't going to vote or wasn't going to vote for Biden to show up and vote on election day, that you have doubled your vote just by convincing one person. And if you did nothing else between now and the election, I'm serious. If you did nothing else but convince that one person, if you've doubled your vote, whew, what if everybody did that? What if half the people did that? What if just 1% of the people did that? 1% of the 160, 170 million who are going to vote. <laughs> I mean... We're talking, what, let's see how I get quick math here. 1% of 160 million is 1.6 million. 1.6 million people who were not going to vote. And you and others had something to do with that because all you did was convince one person to vote. It's, it's kind of breathtaking if you think about it, how you really just could be sitting there in your living room, at your dining room table, and doubling your vote. I want to read you an email that was received here at my podcast uh, uh, platform here. You can, you know, you can always write to me, everybody, Mike at michaelmore.com. I read the email. I'll just read you one of these that, that I, I received. This is from Phil in Des Moines. And he writes, Hey, Mike, your shows have given me so much hope. I did what you said the other day and contacted everyone on my phone, or at least everyone that I thought would vote the right way. I found two people who weren't going to vote. 
two cousins that, you know, I don't talk to them often. I then called them and talked them into it. I mean, it's just two votes in Iowa. But, Mike, you have a huge reach. What if we could, all of us, everyone listening to you, what if each of us could find five people to do what I just did? Do the same thing. Just go into your phone book and call five people. Find two non-voters amongst them and then ask them to call five people. Reach out to their contacts. If you have 100,000 or more, in this case, listeners and viewers, we could turn out a million people. That's right. That's what I just said. Yes, Phil. Anyways, he closes by saying, anyways, I really, really relate uh, to your empathy for people and thank you for your service to humanity. Okay, yeah. Well, I thank you and I thank everybody who's listening to this because we're all in this together. And Phil just proved that just by making a few calls, I'll bet you this didn't take him more than, you know, five or 10 minutes to land on his, his old cousins. And maybe he had a good talk with them too. He hadn't talked to them in a while. But at the end of it, he got both of them. I guess he tripled his vote. That's amazing. Everybody, I'm asking you to do the same thing. There's still time to do this. When you're done listening to this, just take 15 minutes and just randomly look. I mean, don't call any Trumpsters, obviously. But call people, especially people who think, you know, I bet you they don't always vote. Maybe they vote sometimes. And and if they have any questions, they don't know where to vote, IWillVote.com. IWillVote.com. That's all there is to it. Send them to that. All they do is type in their, their uh, zip code, and boom, that site will tell them where to go to vote next Tuesday. If there's early voting still going on, they can go do that right now. Um, you know, whatever it is that they need, it's at that site. And it doesn't matter where you live in the country. It's an amazing thing. So I want every one of you, every one of you are listening to me right now, please. I don't ask for a lot, right? I am asking you today, tonight, tomorrow, take 15 minutes, take a half hour. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to sign up. You don't have to send any money to anybody. You just got to open up your phone book on your phone. Scroll down. Start with the A's, then the B's. Oh, that's right. There's Cousin Betsy. She's a good soul, but I don't think she's very political. I'm going to call her up and then do it. And tell her, just be honest, and say, I'm sorry I haven't called you in a while. We're all so busy right now, the pandemic and everything. Then tell her why, why you're voting and why you're voting this way. And you don't expect her to buy the whole thing or she doesn't have to be a big fan of Biden. Um, and if she's not, listen to her. Listen to why. You know what? She might be right about a number of things, right? So so give that to her. I don't want to know. She says, I don't know if I really want to vote. Hey, I know how you feel. <laughs> These politicians. I mean, just have some empathy. Just just have some empathy here. By the time you're done, you may you may have and, and if she needs a ride, if she's in the same town you're in, or if not, just whatever you can do to help her, walk her through, make a plan to get back together again you know, before, before Tuesday, just to touch base, how did it go, et cetera, et cetera. Make sure she calls, calls you on her cell phone. If there's any problem when she's at the polling place or anything, you know, just, it, this is going to feel really good. You are only one vote and you 
are one vote. You have the same number of votes as Donald Trump. You have the same number of votes as the head of Goldman Sachs. (laughs) You have the same amount of votes as John Voigt. Oh, my God. They don't have any more power than you do. Now, yeah, I know, I know. Yes, of course, they have more money and they can buy candidates and with their contributions and all that. But in the end, when you go to that voting booth, when you pull the curtain, when you're standing there closed off from everybody else and nobody can tell you what to do, nobody has any power over you. You hold the power. And if you called up Cousin Betsy and you got her to vote, your one vote is now two. Phil here in Des Moines, he got two cousins who weren't going to vote to vote. His one vote became three. Now think of five people you know and ask them to do the same thing. Tell them the success you had doing this. And all of a sudden, those five people have got one or two or three people. And now, the you know, now it's 15 votes. This is the easiest thing to do. You don't want to feel like you didn't do anything if this goes the wrong way. I not only have been getting emails from you telling me about how you have doubled your vote by convincing a family member to vote who wasn't going to vote. I've I've also been getting voicemails from you. As you know, I I have a link to my phone number. You can call me. I will not answer the phone, as you can imagine what that would be like. But uh, it will go right to voicemail, and I will hear your voicemail. I listened to all the voicemails, and I got a voicemail here as soon as I finished uh, recording and then publishing, posting um, that uh, episode. Uh, what I don't know, 24 hours ago, within an hour or two, I got a voicemail from somebody who listened to the podcast, and then he wanted to tell me the good news. Uh, look, can we just uh, can we just roll this? This is uh, this is amazing, and uh, I love when you when all of you send me these voicemails, man. You you make my day. Hello, Michael. This is Paul from Evanston, Illinois. I'm just wanting to share with you a little bit of good news. We have succeeded, my father and I, in prevailing upon my uncle, who lives in rural northwestern Pennsylvania, Trump country, to vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. This is the first time that he has voted since voting for McGovern in 1972. It gives me a little hope. I hope there are a million more like him out there. I just wanted to share it with you. Keep up the good work. We'll keep fighting. Amazing. We need to, we need to, don't we have a bell we can like ring or something when you, <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, right. The stock market. Yes. Ring that. Yes. Uh-huh, that sounds great. Yes. The stock market bell. No, no more ironic of a bell to ring on this show than the one at the New York Stock Exchange. But no, that was beautiful. Nick, thank you. Uh, <laughs> seriously, this guy called his uncle in Pennsylvania who has not voted since 1972. 1972, voted for McGovern and gave up. I get it. I was there. That was my first vote. It was crushing. It felt like now the Vietnam War would just go on. and But, you know, Nixon got the message. And um, within months, they were negotiating with the Vietnamese and ending the whole damn thing. But seriously, wow. To go that long, if his, if his uncle voted for McGovern, so you know he, this guy 
really probably cared deeply about the country. The war was going on. And then he hasn't voted in 50, almost 50 years. I got to believe there's so many people out there that love this country and it kills them to have to stay home. They don't want to participate in it. It's a, just a huge fraud to that. Of course, so much of it is so corrupt. That's when you call them. You're, you're, just tell them you get it. You get it. You're almost kind of proud of them that they have withstood participating in this corrupt system for that long. That is a huge act of civil disobedience. But this right now, this week, is no time for that kind of act of civil disobedience. The, the real act, the real, if you really want to mix things up, if you want to throw Molotov into the corrupt system, virtual Molotov, please, uh, then, then this is when we show up and we crush the bastards. And his uncle there from Pennsylvania, one more vote from Pennsylvania. And you just doubled your vote. Congratulations. Everybody out there, you can do the same. And when you do it, send me send me an email and or record a voicemail. Just click on the link. It's right here on the podcast page. If you don't want me to run your thing, I won't run it on, on the episode. But just do it for me because I want to hear. That's real. That's real hope. Not fake hope. That's real hope. Because you all have just told me you've doubled the vote. You've doubled your vote. But all the news isn't good, my friends. Because I have to tell you something. I know Trump. I've known Trump. I've watched Trump. I've studied Trump for years. I've had lunch with Trump. I've been on a TV show or two with Trump. I've run into Jared. I've run into Ivanka. These are not new people to me. They're not friends. We don't party. But I'm going to tell you, you know how when you meet somebody, you just like instantly get it? That's what happens when you meet Donald Trump. And he has proven time and time again that he is up to no good, constantly up to no good. And right now, in these next five days, he is planning something and doing something we can't even imagine right now. We've tried to kind of assure ourselves, oh, look how good the polls are. Oh, look at, oh, yes, you know. I got to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I can, I, can, I can bet anything on this right now that he is up to some kind of evil, that our brains, though flawed that they are, cannot even imagine what kind of evil this man is planning and is doing right now. I mean, we know, obviously, the obvious stuff. He's wrecked the post office uh, so that uh, he can rig the vote. They've got all their voter suppression things they've been doing. That's all the jury, everything they've been doing. That's all going on. That continues. But we can't really use our imagination to come up with the actual thing he's doing right now. We will learn of it and then we'll go, wow, I never would have thought that. That's what is happening right now. Trump is outsmarting us as we are sitting here, you and I right now with this podcast. He has, he has put the plan together. He's got his dark forces there working for him. And we're going to get whacked with something that we honestly cannot even think of right now <laughs> because we're not evil geniuses. Hopefully most of us are some kind of genius, but we're not evil. We, again, we, you know, we're not perfect, but we're not evil. 
And that's why we can't outsmart him. And until we get a step or two or a mile or two ahead of him, this is why when I asked you to send in your ideas of what we can do on my last episode here, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do when he tries to stop the election counting at midnight on Tuesday night? Like he's been saying, only the votes that come in on the third count. Even though in many states it's legal for as long as your ballot is postmarked by November 3rd or November 2nd, depending on the state, um, it has to be counted. And it can come in, depending on the state, it can come in two days late, three days late, six days late, I heard one state today. And some states you know, can't come in late. They just don't count it. In fact, the United States Postal Service yesterday basically came out and agreed with um, a number of the Secretary of States and DMVs across the country who have now said, do not mail your absentee ballot. Uh, the post office admitted it's taking up to seven days now for mail. So if you're listening to this on Thursday morning, seven days from today is two days after the election. Now, again, some states like California, that's okay. If it comes in a few days late, that's okay. Uh, I think the Supreme Court ruled about Pennsylvania it can come in three to six days. I don't know what exactly what it was, but but in most states, I don't think you, you're not going to get away with that. And that's why you can't mail the ballot now in many of these states. I'll, I'll post the New York Times article. They got a state-by-state state thing of, of what are the rules in the state in terms of a ballot coming in late. But, but I mean, I'm, what I what the post office is asking you to do now is don't use the post office. Post office is asking you to take that ballot directly to your town clerk, your city clerk, your county clerk, whoever takes the ballots in your town or your county. You've got to find that out. Or go to IWillVote.com and it will tell you. But you've got to present the ballot in person or you've got to go vote on election day or early voting, what's going on right now. Go. Even if you've got an absentee ballot. In fact, you could take that, take the absentee ballot. Depending on the state, you can fill it out and just go to the voting place the early voting place and just hand it in. Other states won't let you do that. Like in Michigan, you you can take it to the clerk's office, even on election day, but you can't take it to the voting place. So, um, but you could go to the voting place and just say, here is my, uh, I've not filled this out. It's my absentee ballot. I asked for it a month or two ago. And I just thought it was best after all this ruckus. And um, you just say to them, you were, you've been watching this, all the ruckus going on, and you just thought it was best to come and vote in person. Uh, and they'll take the ballot from you, and they'll destroy the ballot. And then you get a in-person ballot that they'll hand to you. They may ask you for your driver's license because, you know, now you've got you know, you've two ballots here. You can't do that. Show them your driver's license and vote right there. But you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to go and vote. And you're going to have to go in person. And I know that's an awful thing for me to suggest that you have to do during a pandemic when there's a deadly virus that's getting worse and worse each day. 500,000 new cases in this country in just the last week. It was a quarter million new cases just over the weekend. And the people that are dying each day, the thousand or so that are dying, it's on its way up to 2,000, then 3,000. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty brutal. 
We're, we're really just a few days away probably from having 100,000 cases a day, what Dr. Fauci called the apocalypse that he was hoping to avoid. So I know it's, it's to ask you to do this during a time like this. Um, now, in this last episode, I asked you to think about what are we going to do when a Trump refuses to leave, when Trump tries to stop the counting of the, the votes on election night, on Tuesday night, whatever it is he's planning, what are we going to do? You know, every a lot of the news is all about, you know, what's the right going to do? What are those militias going to do? No, no, no. It's what are we going to do? That's the question. It's the only question we need to ask ourselves. What are we going to do when they steal the election? And doing nothing is not an option, citizens. The majority, that's who we are. Doing nothing is not an option. So I asked you 24 hours ago, please send me a voicemail or an email with your ideas about what we're going to do in that moment. If that moment takes place on Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever, we're nonviolent people. So we're not picking up guns, but there's more of us than there are of them. So what are we going to do with that? Well, I asked that question uh, yesterday, and uh, you, many of you have, have sort of flooded my voicemail and my email. I'm just going to play a few voicemails here. They're just a minute long uh, each, and so you can uh, hear what some of your fellow listeners to Rumble uh, had to say to that question of what to do if the election is aborted or stolen uh, in any way, shape, or form. And, and here's what you had to say. Hey, Michael, um, Michigan native here. Thanks for doing the podcast, keeping us all grounded. I think that if he tries to steal the election and it's really clear um, that that's what he's doing, general strike. I think it's the safest thing to do in a pandemic. I think that just shutting everything down as much as we possibly can, um, especially if we're not essential workers, that we just do that until they relinquish. Um, and, and make a point. Um, I, I don't know what else would be as effective. I don't think that politicians can out chess match these motherfuckers anyway. Um, thank you and be well. Hi, Mike. Just listen to the latest one. It's great. We need to prepare. You're right. I think he's going to steal it. We all are. He's going to try. He's probably going to get away with it. So what we need to do, I think, is a massive Occupy. We've got to have the numbers of the Women's March times 2, 5, 10. We've got to be willing to occupy um, all the representatives' offices in our local areas and in D.C. Surround, just flood D.C., do marches everywhere. And for those of us, I know a lot of people can't occupy. They have a lot of things going on in their lives that, that don't allow them to do that. But for those of us who can, we should stay. Good morning, Michael. Thank you for all your hard work and uh, effort and great podcast. I think that we should have a general strike for two days, once a month, shut down commerce and industry and let uh, the administration know who is the boss. I think that we should uh, fly the U.S. flag upside down as a sign of national emergency for the entire duration of his 
uh, presidency. I don't think he should ever be referred to as president. I think he should be referred to by his criminal names. I never give him the respect of being the president since he didn't win the election. He stole it. He's a commander and thief. I think that uh, we should force Twitter to drop his account. And um, that basically covers it, Michael. In solidarity, there are more of us than them, and we shall overcome. And let's get rid of that electoral college. The idea of a general strike or some sort of occupy, this is the running theme through all of your voicemails to me and all of your emails today. And this is this is good thinking because it requires action, nonviolent action in the streets, uh, at our state capitals, at our U.S. capital, wherever. We're going to keep this discussion going over the next few days because we have to be prepared. We can't just wait and let it happen to us. And we can't imagine or think up what it is that Trump's doing because we're not evil geniuses. Don't feel bad about that. That's a good thing. But to beat him, to beat the monster, you got to be at least a few steps ahead of him. And so I ask this question now. When the moment comes, if it does come next week, if he tries to shut down the counting of the absentee ballots on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday in another week or two, as long as it takes, because we want every vote counted. That's what we believe in in a democracy. He does not want that to happen because he's going to be crushed with a tsunami of ballots against him. And for Biden, he does not want to see that happen. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do when, when he and Bill Barr try to pull off whatever it is they're, they're concocting right now? I mean, there have been some hints a few weeks ago that, that Barr would send federal marshals, say, to Pennsylvania on election night and seize the ballot boxes and seize the hard drives so that they could have them in their possession in Washington, D.C. They've got any of a number of things cooked up. So let's say we can't figure it out right now what it is they're going to do. We can figure out what we're going to do. So what are we going to do? And what kind of sacrifice are each of us willing to make? I mean, I've already, I've already told you what the, even the post office has said now and all the secretary of states, you cannot mail your ballot now. It's too late. You have got to hand deliver it. You've got to go to the town clerk, the village clerk, the city clerk, the county clerk, whatever clerk takes the ballots in, in your locality. You've got to go and deliver that in person now, today, tomorrow, on election day. You've got to do this. And I know it's difficult. You may be, you may be a college 200 miles across the state somewhere. You may not feel well. You may be bedridden. <laughs> well, there is a thing on most absentee ballots that allow, if you are sick and you can't get out of bed, it allows for uh, someone to bring your ballot in for you, either your caregiver or somebody who's in your household. It's got to be kind of an, somebody in the immediate family has got to do it or it's your caretaker that's doing it. Otherwise, you've got to get up out of the bed. You've got to get up out of the chair and you've got to make your way down to wherever it is, whether it's a mile away or whether it's a hundred miles away. And yes, that's a sacrifice. You may have to go stand now in the cold and vote. You have to stand in line for an hour on election day, two hours, five hours. Some people have stood in line for eight hours. Would you stand in line for this country, for your belief in a democracy that we never fully got to have or realize. Would you do that? If this were the last election, if you could look into the crystal ball and see a second term of Trump and realize that this was the last election, will you look back and say, geez, you know, I did want to do it because I 
Somebody said they stood in line for four hours. Would you give four hours for America? Eh? <laughs> Would it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it anymore? I know a lot of you don't think it is worth it. I don't blame you. And you know why? I know why you don't think it's worth it. That middle-class job that you had that's now gone, what'd you do to deserve that, losing that job? Nothing. It just wasn't, it, it didn't, the, 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 the cost, profit, loss analysis said you had to go and your pension had to go. The system that, that said it was there for you, it turned out wasn't. So I get why you don't believe any of this matters. And no amount of me trying to tell you that it matters. It's probably going to work. Other than to tell you that I agree with you. I so agree with you that it doesn't matter. That the system is rigged against you and every working person. And if you're a woman and if you're of color and if you're young, it's doubly rigged. It's triply rigged against you. And I want to say that I'm there. I am there for you. I'm there with you. And if you want one last fuck you at this system that has shat upon you for years, that has never let you just be a normal person, just live, mind your own business and raise your kids and just go to the movies on a Friday night or Netflix and chill or whatever. Just, I just want to live. I want everybody to leave me alone. I get it. I get it. Well, they're really going to leave you alone now because <laughs> they're going to figure out a way to not have you involved in the system at all. And it won't be your choice. You'll be told. I'll be told. What are you willing to sacrifice to stop that? What would you give up? You'd give, you'd give up four hours standing in the cold, wouldn't you? You, I know you would. Of course you would. You know, if if your, uh, you know, your fairy godmother, your guardian angel, the genie in the bottle said to you, listen, you've got to go vote. You've got to go stand in that line for four hours and it's not going to feel good. But if you do that, if you do that, there'll be no more Donald Trumps. So we're going to put an end to this. We're going to get it, put an end not only to him, but that which gave him to us, that system. That's going to go too. That's got to go. So that's worth the sacrifice, isn't it? But I think it's beyond that now. That's why I don't even want to try and talk you into it because I think we're so far gone at this point. What would you be willing to give to save this country? Who would be willing to die? if they had to, to stand up for freedom and democracy and equality and justice. Because, you know, that's not a new idea, folks. Lots of people before us had to do that and did do it so that we'd have those things. You and I have never had to walk across the Edmund Pettus Bridge and have our brains beaten out of us. <laughs> you and I weren't packed like sardines, like my father was into those amphibious vehicles as they stormed the beaches in World War II. The thing would come down to let all the soldiers out and half of them would be slaughtered before they even left the amphibious vehicle. Just 
Was that worth it? They were willing to sacrifice their very lives for that. How about the gay couple 30 years ago? Never got to walk down the middle of the shopping mall. Never got to walk down the sidewalk on Main Street, wherever they lived, and and hold hands with each other. And the first one who tried it, the first couple that tried it, probably got the shit beat out of them, or they were jeered. Stuff was thrown at them. They were risking their lives. To do what? To hold hands? How much violence against gay and lesbian and people who are not your heterosexual, straight, white, normal. All the people who've had to suffer. All the people who've been willing to sacrifice. All the people who have been willing to to stand and be hurt, physically hurt, because they stood for something. And all the people who've died. Martin. Martin Jr. killed before he was 40. Malcolm, dead by 40. How many, Megar Evers, how many people never saw their 40th birthday? Some didn't see their 30th. They were willing to make that sacrifice. Would you, are you willing? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do that, first of all, just to, just to go there and vote and go through whatever trouble or humiliation it requires? And when the MAGA people show up in their pickup trucks while you're standing there in that long line and they've come to threaten you and intimidate you, and it's going to be scary. It's going to be scary. And you don't want to be scared and you want to live and you don't want to go to the hospital. And they hop out of their trucks and they're waving their big ass Trump flags and their big ass, that American flag of ours that they've absconded with, waving that, shoving the pole of that flag in our face. It's not going to feel good. In that moment, you're going to wonder, oh my God, am I going to make it out of here alive? (laughs) Well, you may not. 99.9% chance you will. But you may not. And in that moment, you have to ask yourself that question. Is this worth it? Is it worth it to remove Donald J. Trump? Is it worth it to make sure this isn't our last free election? Free, quote marks, please. Thank you, gerrymanders. Is it worth it? We rarely have to ever stop and ask ourselves that question, do we? What would you die for? What is important enough? I think we know what the basic answer is, of course, if, if somebody was harming your children or your parents or something like that, and you would you would stand in front of the, the abuser. You would risk your life for that. What else? What else? This? Is it worth it? I think it's worth it. I definitely think it's worth it. And I know that I'm not alone. That's what takes the edge off. As dangerous as this is to think about this. Knowing that tens of millions actually in this case, hundreds of millions, think the same way I do, that this is worth it. 
this election is worth it. This country is worth it. And I'm willing to take that risk. Because you and you and you and you, all of you are too. So I'm not alone. And I think as we bring this episode to an end so we can get busy and make our calls from our address book on our phones and, and the other things that we need to do right now, I, I want to leave actually with a secondary question to the question of what, what is it that you'd be willing to die for? I'd like to leave you with this question. What is it that you'd be willing to live for? What is worth living for? Oh my God, we could make a long list, couldn't we? There's so many things. There's so much good in our lives in this world. In spite of all the crap in all the struggle, in all the despair and the loneliness and, and trying to dodge a virus that wants to kill us. It's worth it, isn't it? There's so much that I'd be willing to live for. And maybe that's why we're going to go through the struggle of the next week or two or month or two. Because we want to live. Not just live through the pandemic, but live through the Trump-demic. We want to get on the other side of this because we're going to be a better country. We're going to be a better world. We're going to be a better people. We've learned so much now. We know so much about ourselves and the way we think things should be after four years of Trump. And we know so much now about how we want to live on this planet that has the next virus already lined up to attack us. Because of the way we've treated the planet, now the planet would like to treat us to a few things. Oh, we're so sorry. That's okay. It's worth living for, isn't it? It is all worth living for. So I'm asking every one of you listening to this right now to stand up, to do something. If you haven't voted, vote. If you have voted, track your vote and make sure it's being counted. Help out on election day. Do something right now to find one person who probably isn't going to vote and convince them to vote to remove Trump. And then get five people to do what you're doing. And suddenly it's a movement. So many people, we're going to double and triple and quadruple our votes right now, starting today, over these next five days. I'm not kidding. That person's right. There's a hundred, there's a two hundred, there's two hundred thousand of you that are going to hear this at some point this week. If, if each of you just did, just got one, that's two hundred thousand. But if you got five or it resulted in the people you got to get their people, five, that's a million just from this little puny podcast from this eight by 10. <laughs> room that used to be, I called it a guest bedroom, but, you know, guests would visit and they go, oh, yeah, mm, nice. That's good. Oh, yeah. Well, where's the closet? <laughs> it's a it's a New York apartment. You know, most bedrooms don't have closets. <laughs> we put our clothes on shelves or it hangs on a metal rack somewhere. We don't need to get into this now, but I'm just saying, 
from this eight by 10 room and all of you, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of you listening to this right now, we could create the tsunami. Trump used to like to brag back in the day. He'd say, I am the storm. Remember that? I am the storm. Well, guess what, Don? We are the tsunami. And we are going to bury you nonviolently in ballots over the next five days. That is something to live for, my friends. Let's do this. Let's get busy. Let's rumble. I'm Michael Moore. I'll talk to you very soon here. We've got an important week that we're in, the week of our lives. Hi, Michael. This is Jackie. In my opinion, we need to be like Puerto Rico. We need to be like Chile. We need to get together and get to the streets and not stop until he is removed because that's what the people want. And until we do that and until we have the guts and the consistency to finally get it done and not stop until he is removed, that's what I think we as the American people need to do. Thanks, and I hope we win.